Hello, so uh, it's been a little while and uh, I just want to get this out of the way. The dreaded Jay Dyer debate or internet bum fight as that is probably what he majors in. Um, I've been absent for a while just because I've been quite ill and you know it's that time of year so kids, kids have been sick as well and uh, friends and people coming over and dinners and so on. But um, let me get straight to it. So on my blog which is gfilotto.com. I'll put the link. I've done the Jay Dyer debate written after report, which I said I would do before the debate because I knew that Jay, you know, he doesn't have, um, he's not what I would call an honest person by any stretch of the imagination. And I knew he would lie and just conflate things and whatever. So I thought, now writing is how I'd prefer to do any kind of arguing. Um, but, you know, whatever, Vox sort of convinced me to go for it, so I did. And so the full details of everything is in that blog post. Um, now, because Jay does internet bum fights rather than actual arguments, um, quite a few people accused me or thought of or thought that I lost the debate because you don't know who Denzinger was. That's kind of the main theme. Um, let me just very briefly point out, I'll, I'll come back to Denzinger in a second, but let me briefly point out that Jay had to walk back every other point that he originally made in his original video, the Sedevacantism Proves Orthodox Theology video, two and a half hours. That's linked on the blog as well. So if you want the full breakdown of what happened, go to the blog. If you disagree and you think that I'm wrong or that I'm lying or that I'm making shit up, go ahead and comment at the blog. Now, just hear the rules. Use logic, use facts, and know your shit. In other words, don't say something that I've already answered and that I've already detailed and pretend that you haven't read it. If you haven't read it, don't bother commenting. If you have read it and you think that any of the things that I've said are either untrue or incorrect or wrong, go ahead, make a comment. I'm not going to edit it. I'm not going to change it. I will publish your comment if it's a valid comment based on dialectic argument. And if I'm wrong about anything, I'll own up. I'm not, but there you go. Now, as for the Denzinger debacle, and this video is really for the people who, you know, I know there's a lot of millennials, I know you guys don't really read, and there's only a few pictures on the blog post, so here's the video. Now, the Denzinger thing that I was accused of is, I was accused of A, not knowing who Denzinger was, calling him Ludwig Denzinger, uh, and a couple of other things. Now, I know who Denzinger was, um, he was a theologian and he wrote uh, a work of theology. I do not own the book of theology. I haven't read it and I don't care to and it doesn't matter, which is what I kept repeating throughout the, the video. And let me explain why it doesn't matter. Anything that Denzinger says doesn't matter. Okay. Anything that's in the book that Denzinger wrote doesn't matter. All right. Anything that Thomas Aquinas wrote in his 12 volumes doesn't matter for the purposes of this argument. Why? Because this argument deals with how you apply the dogma of the Catholic Church. How do you apply the dogma of the Catholic Church? Guess what? That all stems from one book, this one. In 1917, the Church, the Magisterium of the Church, took all the dogmas, probably including a lot of the stuff that Dungeons had talked about, from all the documents of all the almost 2,000 years 
and put them together and decided what they meant and decided what the rules would be because these things were scattered throughout hundreds of documents over 2000 almost 2000 years of time and it was difficult you know for a learned even a learned person to know exactly what the rule was so what did the magisterium of the church do compiled all of that stuff and came up with one book guess what this is it this is how you apply the rules of the Catholic Church. This is how you apply dogma. Now, the very interesting thing is that in the debate video, at one hour, seven minutes and 30 seconds or so, Jay is forced to admit, how do you apply the dogma of the church? And, so, uh, and I had to ask him several times, how do you apply the, the, the rules of the church? How do you apply the dogma of the church, Jay? Uh, kind of law. And if you look at his face for about one second, you can see it in his eyes that he just realizes, oh, fuck. I've just admitted what this guy's been saying for the last hour. So it doesn't matter what Denzinger says because the rules, how they're applied, are in that book. Okay? It's the same thing as saying, well, what if, you know, let's say Denzinger wrote the best book ever on for learner drivers on how to pass their test. That's the best book ever. Really? Does it fucking matter what's written? in the Denzinger book of how to pass your driving test if you run a red light. No, it doesn't matter because you're going to get a fine because that is the law. Now, if you happen to have a book of traffic law and you understand it and you're smart enough to understand how it works, which, by the way, you don't have to be a genius. Do you really need Denzinger's book of how to drive? Yeah, if you're a bit of a moron, if you don't know how to drive at all, and that might help you along. It's like training wheels for retards. Sure, you know, it might be inspirational. You might have pictures to explain shit to you because you're a bit slow, whatever. Does it make a difference to traffic law? No, none. It doesn't matter what Denzinger said. Let me repeat that again. It doesn't matter what's in Denzinger's book. It doesn't matter. Even if it's labeled Catholic dogma, it's Catholic dogma according to Denzinger. And even if it's just a list of papal encyclicals, it doesn't matter. Guess who gets to interpret the Catholic dogma of the Catholic Church? Not Jay Dyer. Not you. Not me. Who interprets the rules of the Catholic Church? Who interprets how to apply the dogma of the Catholic Church? Who interprets how the dogma functions is the magisterium of the church. And who put this book together? The magisterium of the church. And if you're a Catholic and you do believe that the Catholic church is supernaturally protected, those rules are how God wants us to apply dogma in the world. Okay? Simple enough. So it doesn't matter what's in Denzinger. Have you understood that now? Right. There are many other points, and frankly, I'm kind of done with the spurg, but, um, you know, some of them are quite funny. There's one of the idiots who, um, who hangs around Vox's blog, who, who goes by the name of Larami Hirsch. <laughs> and he's a little stalker, because I did a blog post on him. It's, it's at the blog as well. It's at a blog post on him, and, you know, he, he, he in his own blog says he wants to kiss Bergoglio's ring. <laughs> Interpret that as you will, as I do. <laughs> and and uh, he left a comment on Vox's blog saying, it was embarrassing when the Kurgan thought Denzinger was a person. And Vox's reply is hilarious because he goes, um, it should embarrass you 
to not know that Denzinger was a person. Your level of knowledge doesn't rise to the level of Wikipedia. And then he quotes Wikipedia. It's just like, you know, and, uh, and then Vox goes on to think, oh, if I was quoting, you know, somebody or their work. I wasn't confused at all about Denzinger, you know, the fact that he's a person and also that he's written a book of theology. That I, I knew that. That's not the point. And by the way, I didn't call him Ludwig Denzinger. If you look at that segment towards the beginning, I'm saying, look, it doesn't matter. John Pontrella, Ludwig Denzinger, there's a comma in there. But I accept my audio actually on listening to bits of the video again, my audio is pretty terrible. Um, that's because I didn't have a dedicated mic attached to the, to the laptop. Um, didn't have time to set it up. We used Hangouts and I literally just up, you know, put Hangouts on, uh, downloaded the app like a few minutes before the start, just because I didn't know how Hangouts works. As you guys know, I'm not technically that, you know, keyed up. I don't, I don't care about that stuff. So, so I didn't have the time to test it, the mic and all that. Um, but you know, there was supposed to be a comma in there. It's Ludwig was one of the other guys that um, Dyer quoted as you know being relevant, and it's not not relevant. Is it canon law? No. Is it a papal? In fact, even papal encyclicals before 1917, everything to do with Catholic dogma before 1917, essentially gets summarized in here. So, you know, which now I had to refer to ex of officiato um, ex apostolatum officio, which is the papal encyclical of 1559 of Paul IV, that clearly states heretic popes are irrelevant, anybody they elect is irrelevant, they're to be totally ignored, anything they said is to be totally ignored. So, you know, if a pope in 1559 said that, what does that mean? Well, it means that you had fake popes before, and we did. There are 40 known anti-popes, more than 40, before 1958. So, clearly, We've had fake popes before. We'll have them again. That's what ex apostolatum officium is. Now, do we need to know ex apostolatum officium? No, not really, because it's covered in here by Canon Law 188, Part 4. And again, no real big issue if you can read and you can do logic. Now, a lot of people can't. I agree that the majority of human beings today cannot, but that's not my problem. You know, if we're 7 billion people on the planet and only 10,000 of us know that 2 plus 2 is 4. Again, not my problem. Everybody else is fucking wrong. I don't care if they have the numbers. And you'll notice that in his arguing, um, Jay mentions this. He goes like, oh, how can you guys be right on the 1.2 billion Catholics that believe Francis is the Pope? I don't care if it's 4 billion. They're wrong. Because truth is truth, you know. Stupid people are stupid, you know. They don't know they're stupid. You know, it's like the ghost thing. I think I told you guys before, I had a girlfriend, I wanted to get me a t-shirt that says, I see stupid people. And they just walk around like like they don't even know they're stupid. You know, it was a play on words on the, uh, the, the, the film with Bruce Willis where he's a ghost. Uh, I forget what it's called. Um, anyway. Uh, some of the other points. The, see, let, let's actually, the, the Denzinger thing was sort of like a, a bum fight distraction tactic, but the actual points that uh, Dyer made in his original video were, and, and he started, you know, he started out on the wrong footing because he started out accusing me that I can't determine who a fake pope is, and uh, you know, I, I can't have a period of um, uh, what did he say? He said he started out with um, two. Uh, hold on, let me just see quickly. Part one, 
Oh, I have to refresh that, sorry. Um, there we are. Give me a second. Oh yeah, he, oh, by the way, if you go to the blog post, this this screen captures quoting Jay uh, from when he spurred all over my channel and proving, by the way, this is actually an important point because Jay quotes, supposedly quotes Denzinger. I don't know, I haven't checked because I don't own the Denzinger thing and I don't plan to, but we know for a fact that uh, Jay lies. He outright pretends to quote parts of the Statis Cognitum and it's a lie what he says and i've put that on the blog as well and i mentioned it on the debate video i quoted jay when he was saying this is what Pope Leo the 13th says it's not it's nowhere in status cognitum so he lies about what's in the document he lied repeatedly in the debate about what vatican one says so he does lie um so i don't know for a fact that what he said uh, that denzinger says is true but let's assume it is well if it is it's certainly not to be interpreted the way he would like it to. That um, doesn't matter if you, you know, die, spill blood for, for Jesus. There's no such thing as baptism of blood, which is what he was saying. And I think, I, I believe, if I remember right, at the end of the, um, of the debate, he eventually relented on that. But, um, you know, because I quoted the, uh, a Catholic priest on how you actually do interpret that. And I'll read it just because it's interesting. Um, so I sent him an email because I just wanted to double check my position because some items in canon law are very clear, but but certain ideas or whatever thoughts that maybe haven't been completely thought through and spelt out, because again, Catholics are not autistic freaks. Um, you just have to use your common sense and logic to, to decide, oh, okay, but that means that, obviously. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Let me double check. Maybe I'm wrong, right? I'm not. But so I wrote to him and I said, this is how I interpret canon law. Is this correct? This was the priest's reply. Yes, you're right in thinking about salvation and baptisms of desire and of blood. These are exceptions, not the general rule, that do not contradict the dogma extra ecclesiam nulla salus. Outside the Catholic Church, nobody can be saved. This dogma is always true. I will come back to that because it's an interesting point. But we have to consider how exactly someone can belong to the church. Notice that it's a little bit more refined. It's not, you know, autistic, black and white. You're in, you're out. How do you, what does it mean to belong to the Catholic Church? What actually does it mean? You know, is God a lawyer that says, oh, I didn't take the box? No. The possibility does exist that someone doesn't belong to the body of the church in foro externo. It's Latin for, uh, for men in, in public, outside but belongs to the church in foro interno, which is in for God, in conscience, you know, in the truth. If this situation is not of his own fault, such a person can be saved. And if it is, even if it is very difficult, as he misses all the means of salvation that Christ gave to his church, nobody will be damned through no fault of his own. In other words, you have to choose, right? God is not going to go like, oh, uh, skip that little bit. Oh, the priest didn't quite sprinkle you enough with the water. You're going to hell. Ha ha. That's not what God does. You see, that's what Jay Dyer thinks God does, but it's not what God does. So, and this puts to the lie because, you know, Jay Dyer was quoting Denzinger saying that uh, not only pagans, but also Jews and heretics and schematics cannot 
become participants in eternal life, but will depart into everlasting fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels, unless before the end of life the same have been added to the flock, and that unity of the ecclesiastical body is so strong that only those remaining in it are the sacraments um, of the church of benefit for salvation, and do fastings, almsgivings, and other functions of piety and exercise, blah, 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 blah. Even if he has shed blood for the name of Christ, can be saved unless, in other words, cannot be saved unless he has remained in the bosom and the unity of the Catholic Church. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Does it make sense if you read it like Jay Dyer does? No. It makes sense because it's saying, look, you might be in a war that's fighting for the right cause, let's say, for Jesus. Let's say, let's say it's a holy war, right? A crusade of some sort. And you kill people and you, and you die in battle, but you're not baptized and you don't really believe in Jesus and you haven't chosen to be, you know, you're in it for the money, you're in it for something else. You die, you know, bravely, courageously, you fought well, but you're not of Jesus. So you don't get to get in, you know, it's not hard to understand, you know, this stuff. Anyway, going back to the actual main issues, he started out saying that I don't get to decide who's the Pope. Uh, which, you know, I let him finish, and then I started out by saying, I never said I decide who the Pope is. I don't. I don't believe I decide anything about that. Guess who does? The Magisterium of the Church. This. And this tells me when there's a heretic, he's not a Pope. So the one that's sitting on the throne at the moment is an imposter, it's not a Pope, because he is a heretic, demonstrably. So is everybody who doesn't reject Vatican II. Very simple. Again, in the um, in the blog posting, I've also got on the 7th of September on the blog, I've also got a blog post that goes through in detail the logic of Canon 188 and why it applies. Now, throughout this whole video, basically, Jay had to walk back a bunch of stuff. He had to walk back the fact that he thought that, oh, well, if you don't have visible Pope, then the church can't exist. He had to walk that back. And he reduced it to, if you don't have the Pope and a visible curia altogether of the Holy See, then you don't have a valid Pope. I'll come to that. That's the only sort of half tenebrous, maybe valid point that he could hang on to. Everything else, he got blown out of water. He had no response to the fact that he outright lied about what he says that Satis Cognitum says, and I quoted him. Again, it's on the blog and it's in the debate. No response to that. He eventually, at the end, had to admit that you can have um, heretic fake popes, that you can have an empty chair with no pope in it, and the church still exists. He had to admit that. What he hung on to is that, like, well, but if there is no curia in Rome, in other words, if all the curia of the, of the Catholic Church doesn't exist anymore, and he's saying that in Vatican I it says that it has to exist constantly in perpetuity. It doesn't say that. That's another lie that he's saying about what Vatican I says. What Vatican I says is that they... Um, uh, I don't, I don't want to use the word constitution of the church because, again, that's a Jay Dyer invention. You know, he, he creates this strawman to then knock down. Nowhere in Vatican I does it say the constitution of the church is and lists a bunch of things. It doesn't do that. But if you want to say that, you know, the Catholic Church is composed of the Pope, his bishops, his priests, and the lay people, that's a fair statement, right? And all that Vatican I is saying is that the composition of this church is not going to change and it's going to remain the same till the end of time. Does that mean that you will always have a visible Pope? 
Clearly not, because popes die, and in the period in between, you don't have one. So it's obvious, it's, it's obvious to anybody who's not autistic, okay? Does it mean that you will not have heretic, fake popes? No, doesn't mean that at all, because throughout church history, we've had over 40 of them before the current times, right? The fact that in the current times, since 1958, we've probably only had heretic popes, the possible exception being John Paul I, who only lasted 30 days before he either died or was killed. But, you know, he didn't have a lot of impact. So, in all probability, since 1958, we've only had heretic popes. Is that a problem? No. Happened before. Is this the longest it's ever happened? Yeah. Is there a time limit? No. Nowhere does it say, oh, well, after 60 years, you're done. You're okay up to 60 years, but 61, oh, no, that's one year too much. No. It's not how it works. Now he's saying, oh, but all the offices of the Curia in Rome, you know, the the office for the, the discipline of the faith and whatever, all the various offices of the Vatican. First of all, here's an important point. They didn't all disappear instantly, right? Rome was not nuked on the 28th of October, 1958. It would have probably been better if it was, but it wasn't. So you don't know, you cannot with absolute certainty say that every single one of the bishops that were at the time in 1958, 20th of October, in the Vatican, in the respected offices, that every single one of them apostatized. You cannot say that. And all it takes is for one of them to not have apostatized for a small enough period of time that he either created another bishop or passed on the baton, right? So that alone is something nobody can know. But regardless, let's even give J. Dyer the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that in 1958, on the 20th of October, Rome got nuked. And I make this very example in the, in the debate as well. And every single one of those offices disappears. Does that mean that the church is defected? No. It only means that if you're an autistic moron. Why? Because again, in Mystici Corporis, which J. Dyer misquotes, misrepresents many times, it clearly states what the composition of the church is, and it clearly states that the bishopric, along with the pope, forms the head of the church, okay, the visible head of the church, because the only head of the church is Jesus Christ. Mystici Corporis makes that abundantly clear. There are 113 paragraphs in Mystici Corporis. J. Dyer tries to look at two of them in isolation to try and say that, oh, well, without a pope, you don't have a church. It doesn't work. There are 17 paragraphs who directly and clearly state that only Jesus Christ is the head of the church and that the Pope and his bishops are his representatives on earth. It also goes on to say within Mystici Corporis that the bishops are part of the ruling class, if you like, of the church and as such, somewhat, you know, part of the head. All the bishops. And they're all due the highest respect because they help the Pope, who is the top guy, you know, distribute the laws. It's kind of like saying the Pope is like the pineal gland. I don't actually know if you can survive without the pineal gland or not. I don't know. But it's like, you know, some really important thing in your head that you can function, you can survive without, but you're not doing too well. The, I don't know, the hypothalamus or whatever, you know, some, some thing in your head that is, is really important. Uh, let's say the right frontal lobe is the Pope, okay? But he doesn't do everything alone. And again, Mystici Corporis is very clear on this. You know, you could say, well, the Pope is the pineal gland, but, you know, the bishops formed the gray matter that forms the rest of the head. 
and the priests form the nervous system that extends from the brain to the rest of the body. So it's a pretty decent analogy. And does, does it mean that, you know, well, let's say your whole left lobe gets damaged now and you've only got like parts of the right lobe left. Does that mean that, oh, well, you're done? No, you're not done. There's people that live with only half a brain, you know. I'm not saying it's ideal, but obviously, clearly, if the whole of Rome got nuked on 20th of October 1958 and every office in Rome was done, the clear things that would happen is that the remaining bishops, after you know recovering from the shock of the nuke, would say, right, let's get together and elect another pope. We can't do it in Rome anymore because it's radioactive glass. So we're going to go to Avignon, which happened in the past, right? Not the nuke, but the, the, the Holy See doesn't have to be in Rome, which is another spurgy thing, which in his original video, Jay Dyer goes on and on and on and on and on about. But in his debate, he knows. I, I got him on that. It doesn't have to be in Rome. It can be anywhere. It could be in Timbuktu, if that's where the bishops congregate and say, right, this is where we're doing it now, and we'll move the sea here. It's happened multiple times in history that the sea moved. It wasn't just the one time. So, again, he had to walk that back. So the only point that he had left is this, like, oh, well, but if the curia is all defected, then the constitution of the church, according to Vatican I, which is his interpretation of what Vatican I says, not what Vatican I actually says. And don't take my word for it. Go read it. It's online, right? What, do you, what the church is basically saying is, like, look, this is the shape of how this thing works, and this is not going to change until the return of Jesus. Does that mean that you can't have a, a fake pope? Or that, you know, the curia can't get twisted over. Of course, those things can happen. And if it does happen, well, as long as there's like one bishop left who hasn't defected, guess what? He's the guy that, you know, is going to bring things back together. Now, Jay also quoted a number of um, canon laws from supposedly from the 1917. I haven't had um, a chance to go through every single one of them. I know the canon law really well, but... Um, you know, when it comes to people who misquote, misrepresent, and just shit, make quotes up out of whole cloth, I, I want to be thorough. Um, I will do it eventually. But let me just again refer to something that is a bit interesting. Again, from a valid Catholic priest that baptized me, and what he says about... Um, um, you know, that Canon 953, which was one of the canons he quoted. Let me read you Canon 953, because again, if you're, you know, a binary thinker, this sort of stuff might confuse you, might think it's hypocritical or, or, or you know, a bunch of lies. It, it's not. It's just, you know, the, I think it was video 35 where I said that the difference between paradoxical thinking and, and binary thinking. Look at that video. It's it's a, it's a really a skill that um, that needs to be relearned. So, Canon 953 says, the consecration of a bishop is reserved to the Roman pontiff, so that it is not permitted to any bishop to consecrate another as bishop without first having gotten a pontifical mandate. That would seem to put a nail in the coffin. It doesn't, because again, you have to read things in context and, and logically. Here's how the priest responded to me. Canon 953 Consecratio Episcopalis Reservatus Romanus Pontifici, because he quotes the Latin, because this is the English version of the of the canon law, but the original is in Latin, of course. 
doesn't mean that only a pope can or should consecrate new bishops, but that only the pope has the right to decide about consecration or not a new bishop for the church. Still would seem to be quite, you know, it isn't, listen on. Actually, all bishops can consecrate another to be a bishop, have the sacramental power to consecrate new bishops, and did always do so in the history of the church. But they can proceed to a new episcopal consecration only with the explicit consent of the Pope. This is exactly what's said. Also, later in the same canon, no bishop has the right, litiat in Latin, to consecrate another bishop before having a papal mandate. In cases of real urgent necessity and impossibility to refer to the Pope, Think about times of persecution, communist regime, underground church. The mandate can be presumed. As soon as possible, the bishop will, however, refer and submit his consecration to the Pope. This also happened in the history of the church and is also the case in our actual situation. So again, another historical thing that happened many times and no issue with it. The only person that has an issue with it are autistic box tickers who cannot think normally all right so that is pretty much all i have to say on the day j dyer video now i understand that he's got forty-two thousand morons following him after being online for 10 or 15 years or whatever it is i've literally been online half-assed for a year and i've got almost two thousand people following but i don't really care about numbers i care about quality um, I understand that the 42,000 zombies are going to say, you lost, you lost because Denzinger, because they can't follow the argument, they can't follow the reasoning. That's why I put it in writing, and that's why I said before the debate, I'm going to put it in writing so that everybody can see what actually happened. And, um, you know, there it is. So, yeah, I think Jay Dyer got squashed on the dialectic. Uh, I'm not interested in internet bum fights. And as I said, I've demonstrated that it's kind of pointless to argue with a liar online uh, on a video. You know, if you're going to argue with me, put it in writing. Put your thoughts in writing with references. You know, that's the way to actually argue. That's the way to force people to do dialectic. Because online, everybody's just, eh, I'm a hero. <laughs> you know, there was one comment that one guy made. He's like, well, I don't know anything about either one, but... You know, I don't know anything about Catholicism or Orthodoxy, but all I can tell you is that uh, the Kurgan kept his composure and talked like a normal person. Jay Dyer just kept lost, losing it and, and talking like an idiot. And what I, I'm sure of is that if they were face to face, Jay would have not behaved that way. <laughs> and I have to say, I, um, I probably agree with that comment. Anyway, so that's it for now. I hopefully will return to regular scheduled programming soon. As you can tell, my voice is still a bit messed up. But um, yeah, that's the internet bum fight uh, video, I guess. So um, I hope I've clarified things. If they're not clear, go to the blog. I'll put the link below here, the video, so that you can you can see it and really everything that you need to to to, look, to see or read or or disagree with. You know, feel free to disagree. Again, remember, gammas on my channel go straight to the grave. They don't get a warning. They don't get nothing. So, know your points, know your shit. If you're going to argue against me, read what I've put at the blog, watch the debate, make your point logically and factually. I'll accept your point. You know what? If I've done something wrong, if I've 
lied, if I've forgotten something, if my brain's going to fucking mush and I'm just making shit up, go ahead and go ahead and prove it. I admit if I fuck up, I haven't fucked up. Um, you know, I didn't do as great a job as I should have of demolishing the whole Denzinger thing, but that's because to my mind it's it's irrelevant and it should be obvious to anybody that it's irrelevant because canon law. But you know, obviously it's not obvious to most people and I also I suppose I forget that most people haven't read Catholic dogma position, don't know what canon law really is or how it's applied. So I probably didn't do as good a job of that as I did. But nevertheless, I still forced to die to say, how is dogma applied? Canon law. One hour, seven minutes, and 30 seconds in. Go look. And look at his face. I think he realizes he's fucked up there. Anyway, so that's it for now. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon with some more interesting shit rather than internet bum fights. Good night.